This is Song. And this is Sarah. This is Epping Ethical, where we try to make sense of all the choices facing consumers every day. Well, we did it, Sarah. We did it. America did it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know. And like the thing that I keep thinking about that like gets me excited or sort of is like keeping me hopeful and optimistic is like the conversations that have been happening in amongst like moderates or like more moderate Republicans who like voted for Biden. Um, I think that like that's the space that I am like most optimistic is just people who were able to look at you know, big picture things, able to look at what how they felt about policy or the image of the U.S. in the world, um, and 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 the ability to like you can change your mind, or just because you vote one way in one election doesn't like make you a Democrat forever, right? Like it's just you know it yeah. it means a lot of different things. So it was really yeah. cool to see this like coalition idea of of how people voted, and just so many more people voted, like. Yeah. literally beside myself that what isn't it like over 75 percent is what they've counted it's now wild. yeah um yeah like in voting and um you know civic engagement it's like such a cultural thing and it seems like we're at this moment in our history where um people don't take voting and people don't take democracy for granted anymore um and so yeah i was also super heartened by that um So I voted in Connecticut and election day for me looked like, you know, going to my polling site at at like 10 a.m. It was pretty empty. There were like two other people there. Um, But I walk out after, you know, know, turning in my ballot and there's like music outside and people are dancing and like, you know, um, just chatting with uh, a Connecticut representative, um, like state representative Robin Porter. And it was just like, it almost felt like a neighborhood block party. Um, And she was talking about how like, I came at a good time because people were lined up at 5am, like around the block to vote. And um, yeah, I was just really heartened to hear, hear that. And it it felt like a day of celebration, like, regardless of what the, um, what the, uh, I guess what the outcome of the election was at that point. Um, But it was just, fact that like people were showing were coming out showing up supporting one another um and it was those kinds of moments I think that really gave me strength in the lead up to the election or yeah to the election and lead up to I guess Biden being called yeah I I actually voted early um early and in person here in Arizona and it it was so easy oh my gosh like I really think that the ability to vote early has like absolutely transformed just the accessibility of voting in the U S right. Like if people it's, it's not a national holiday. And so a lot of people have to work and it's not super easy to vote absentee depending on the state you live in. So in Arizona um, there were, I think like six or seven some odd um, locations in Tucson that you could vote early. So I only had to go like, six or seven blocks from my house to vote at a local library. And it was super easy, even though I'm like a new resident of Arizona. And so I didn't have an Arizona driver's license. I had to like jump through all these hoops, but it was still like really easy. And um, I will say like, I loved voting. That was my first time ever voting in person. Um, Mm -hmm. I've always voted absentee before that, because in California, they made it really easy to vote absentee. Um, 
but it just like it felt different to like I waited in line for a very short period of time but just to see like you know all of these different people from the community everyone coming from work or on their way to work and like all of the volunteers there's just like something different about like doing it in person and getting to see like what civic engagement looks like like by your community right it's really energizing right it's like Mm -hmm. yeah um I love it and I feel like uh Harris Kamala Harris's her uh her, her like speech right when she quoted John Lewis um, the former congressman, um, the late, the late great John Lewis, uh, about how democracy is not a state, it's an act. Um, and what he meant was that America's democracy is not guaranteed. It's only as strong as our willingness to fight for it, to guard it, and never take it for granted. And protecting our democracy takes struggle. It takes sacrifice. There's joy in it. And there's progress. Um, because we, the people, have power to build a better future. Um, and I just, like, I feel like it was such, this whole, this entire year was such a reminder of that. And I, I think it really spoke to people no matter what side of the, you know, the line you were on. Like, it, I feel like it just, um, yeah, demonstrated that we have to, we have to fight for it. We have to build it together and there's no, um, there's no real way around it. Right. So, um, yeah, I've been inspired. I've been, um, yeah, hopeful. Um, I don't know how long this high will last, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've definitely, I definitely am, am hopeful. Um, I feel like I have become, a bit of like a policy wonk and I'm really interested in how governments make decisions and the, like the things that um, just sort of an average person paying attention to, to the news or even the, the, the government making statements, like, you know, so little about what happens behind the scenes. Yeah. And I think the last four years have been frustrating only because and largely because you you're you actually do see a little bit about what's happening behind the scenes because of the way that our current president communicates through things like twitter um and so obviously there's still a lot that you don't know about but from just sort of personal interest and reading you know books on on history and historical policy decisions um it just has given me a perspective on, you know, th- there's a lot that that goes on and I am really encouraged by the priorities that are, are being set by the current administration. And I really think that the like coalition that got um, the Biden Harris ticket elected is also going to come into play in, in policy decisions and hopefully getting some, you know, some really important um, some really important policies passed that that are just difficult because it means like rethinking how our systems are are structured, right? So like climate change is a really good example because climate change isn't it's about the environment, but it's really about the economy, right? And like how do you connect those things in a way that works for everyone and brings more jobs, not less jobs, and more inclusive prosperity, not less. Um, It's hard. It's like really hard. And so I'm really looking forward to how they bring together like 
you know, kind of the brightest minds and creative thinking to put together innovative policies that really do um, sort of uplift or focus on the needs of the, you know, the middle class is obviously something that um, is talked about a lot, but also, you know, people who are still in poverty in the U.S. and and how are they included in those new policies? Right. Yeah, I love that point. Um, and, and I guess to add to that, just briefly, like policy priorities that have in large part been set in response to the people because, you know, if we talk to, you know, to the to um, Biden and Harris like two years ago, I don't know, their platform may have been different mm-hmm. um, than it is now because of the fact that like the people have spoken, right? And um, yeah, and I think that's just the way it's supposed to be. Like democracy is like, is fluid and it should be responsive and like, that's the whole point. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I feel like it, you know, it remains to be seen, like no one's perfect. Um, it remains to be seen. And I, I think there's a lot of work that has to be done, like the, you know, sustained pressure from, from the people, right. Um, I think is, is the only way that, um, will keep right government accountable. Um, but I feel like there's something to be said for um, for celebrating wins. Um, and like before just fueling anger and just like fueling um, some sort of like militant ideology either way, uh, to really think about um, all of the work, that, that was put in, um, the fights that have happened, right, by people on the ground, like people um, who like fight day in and day out to really make America a better place for for everyone, for making, you know, making sure that no one's neglected. Like, I think it's, it's worth a moment of just like pause and reflection and like gratitude and celebration for that um, before we start like tearing, you know, tearing down and nitpicking all of the things, um, that go wrong or that we need to hold everybody accountable for, because while those things are true, those things will always be there. And I think, um, it's always worth a moment after such like a, you know, such a big moment, um, to sort of pause and, uh, and do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad you said that. Cause I definitely have, seen, you know, some negative comments over the last week, you know, from most likely more um, progressive activists sort of frustrated, you know, I think that in some ways, I'm sure that they're happy the way that the election turned out. But they're also, you know, sometimes importantly, questioning the sort of the the ethical values that uphold the current system we have and questioning the policies that the new administration has. And, and I agree, I think that there's a place for that. But it's also like, can we just take a, can we just take a breath? Like no policies have even been set yet for us to critique. <laughs> yeah, let's just, let's just everybody take a hot second. Be happy. For like We've had a long four years. I mean, let's just like, 
yeah. just taking it. Right. Um, well, yeah. and like, and you're about to have policies you can critique, right? Like that's been one of the biggest frustrations is sort of the lack of transparency on the policy side um, for where the current administration is going. You know, there, there's some things that obviously were, were very clear and explicit and you can take problem with or support or whatever, but there's a lot like healthcare, for example, right? There was never a healthcare plan. So you can never really criticize it or... Yeah. Or provide input, right? To say like this is what would be better. So I am really looking forward to um, to some like very specific policy plans um, that are put together by, you know, the the best policymakers um, out there. And yeah, I, w- I was thinking before we recorded this, um, you know, it's I I think that so. I'm trying to think how to say this. Um, so one of the reasons we started this podcast was because, you know, as we've sort of introduced, like we're people who think about things on a lot of different levels and have a certain amount of education and experience that that can provide value into these discussions. And a lot of the the, the direction that that might go is well, here's what you should do, right? Like, here is the best thing. And it could come to policy, right? Like, here is the best policy that will solve everything. Or as an individual consumer, here is the choices you should make that will solve everything. And the truth is, like, it's not black and white like that. Um, there are there are nuances and there are nuances to policy, right? Like you can, you can go back in history to your favorite president or who you think is your favorite president and look Mm -hmm. at their policy and say like, wow, there were really positively impactful things that happened under this policy. And also here are the negative repercussions to some community or some part of the economy under the same policies. So I think that just, you know, to sort of clarify like where we're coming from and probably the conversations we'll continue to have is that, you know, I've I've never seen a policy that I said like that's 100% it. <laughs> or I've yeah. never like looked at a historical decision by a president and said like, man, they got it right. But I've yeah. definitely looked at policies and history and said, wow, based on the available information and the hard decisions they had to make, they made a good decision. Um, and so I think it's like important to just say, you know, we we're consumers because we have to be, because that's how our system works. And so the choices you make are never going to be perfect. Our policymakers are never going to be perfect, but can we find, can we find ways to make them better? And I think that we're here to like find the ways to make them better. Yeah. And that was really beautiful framing. Like, yeah, the policies are never, they're never going to be perfect and it's never going to be perfect. Not only because, you know, it's, it's, impossible to see the the implications all the way down the line on every single community or person or you know whatever impacted by it but also because policies come as a result of compromise and of different parties having a say and and again like that's what democracy is it's not you know it's like it's a series i feel like it's a series of compromises to get us to a place where like the least number of, you know, people are harmed or, you know, um, whatever it is. But I, I feel like it's it's a fluid thing and we can't we can't let perfection get in the way of the good enough sometimes. And like that sucks to say out loud, but like that's 
that's the way policy is. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I'm, it's, it's always interesting to, to think about, I think, um, and, and we're going to, you know, talk about this in a moment as we talk about like drug policy, but um, yeah, I think the point is, is that, that laws and policies will change and the, you know, people who backed a certain policy as like the, the end all in, in one stage may 10 years down the, 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 you know, 10 years on the line, see how society has progressed around it and then have a different, totally different feelings about, you know, the, the policies that they stood so firmly by then. So I just, um, yeah, I, I think it's, it's important to see, policy and everyone involved in making policy through sort of this like more fluid lens than um than we tend to to do yeah i um i have a very sort of real life recent example um of this so shout out to um professor judy chevalier from yale school of management who was one of our favorite econ professors who i nominate to a cabinet position at this point <laughs> but at the, um, at the beginning of covid she was doing some um some talks to the students because of various initiatives she was part of to just sort of say like, here is what the economic response to COVID should be or the types of policies we're trying to create. And she said something that just so clicked in my mind. She said, if two, three, four years down the line, the people who decided how government was going to spend in order to, you know, support COVID recovery or COVID response, if they're not called up to Congress to sort of give account for where all the money went and sort of being accused basically that we spent too much money, then we didn't spend enough. And I mm. thought that that was really good. And then the other day, um, on NPR, I heard a um, economic commentator, and I won't say <laughs> say what it was, but maybe if you listen to our podcast, you listen to these folks as well, commenting about um, how the Paycheck Protection Act didn't necessarily go to all of the small businesses that they had intended it for. And we, we kind of knew this was happening at the beginning. There was various large organizations that sort of were, were outed for benefiting from this and maybe they shouldn't have. But the whole point of that system was like, just get as much money out the door as possible, right? Like mm -hmm. don't spend a ton of money on the type of oversight that we might want because it's more important that we just get money out the door and into hands of businesses. Um, and so it's interesting to say that like, you know, we're literally in the middle of COVID, like it is getting yeah. worse. The economy is going to get worse in some ways. Like there's going to continue have to be this response and there's already critique that like we didn't do it right, but in a too much money out the door direction. And so mm -hmm. in a way I'm like, oh, they actually did that. They probably did that policy right then. Like they were just like, no <laughs> money out the door, because if you get the critique that it was too much money, then you did it right. So I think that that is just a, a mindset to think about all sorts of policies. You know, you can you can be fiscally conservative um, and, and sort of in a few years say we shouldn't have spent that much money. 
but in pandemic times, it's the government needs to spend as much money as possible. So I really appreciate the economists who are discussing that. And I'm looking forward to more discussions like that about um, the economic response to COVID, about the scientific response to COVID um, and kind of the, the community health and like, what are the new policies going to be? Um, Cause yeah, I think that if there's not people who say, wow, that is like vast government overreach, then during a pandemic, they haven't gone too far. And I think you can kind of extrapolate that to, to other policies. Like if there's not a, some population who says, ah, I think that reaches a little bit too far in, in one direction, then, then the policy probably wasn't meaningful. Right. So mm -hmm. it's kind of an interesting framework to think of it. That is really interesting. Um, yeah, that's really smart. And like, I don't know, in times of COVID, um, I, so I used to do a lot more policy work, obviously in my former job. Um, and I've been so like head down into this new, like startup world where, um, you know, we, we think about like capitalism and like the economy and the flow of capital in just like a totally different way than I did as like, you know, like a civil rights, you know, lawyer, immigrants rights, you know, lawyer thinking about policy and, and the impacts um, uh, of it on, on individuals and like the kind of, I guess, um, the kind of like calculus or like the quick iteration um that I feel like I've been having to do in my like day to day um, and then kind of thinking about how those two don't have to be so disparate, like how, um, yeah, how we can be more kind of like adaptive and um, yeah, iterative and uh, in ways that we also come up with policies that like protect people as well. Um, yeah, I, I think it's like just like an interesting um, lens too that just kind of flashed through my head as, as you were describing that. Thank you for listening to Effing Ethical. Check us out on Instagram at F-I-N-G Ethical and on our website at songandsarah.com. We'd love to hear from you. What industries or systems do you have questions about? How are you making ethical decisions in everyday life? 2020 is hard and we would love to hear about how it's going for you. Thanks.